Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Monday, the 18th of April, 2011. Hey everybody, just a quick aside here. Uh, through the magic of podcasting, I started this thing on... Uh, I actually started it on Saturday, but uh, wasn't able to do anything that whole weekend. Started up on Monday again. And that didn't work out, so now it's actually Friday the 22nd. Uh, and for you, only seconds have passed. Alright, let's go ahead and, and uh, I'll jump back into the show. And uh, what we'll do is I'll play some of the stuff that I had previously recorded. And uh, then I'll, I'll start up with some new things. Going to have a pretty full show for you guys today. I uh, got some good feedback. We got some articles that we're going to go over. And I also got a quick announcement. On uh, past shows, I was asking you guys to go over to the website, which would be firearmscafe.com. Scroll down a little bit, and you'd see some ads. And if they interested, you'd go ahead and click on it. Well, apparently, what happened was is that uh, Google thought that the increased traffic was fraudulent, so they have canceled my accounts. Uh, so easy come, easy go. So anyway, if you're uh, this announcement is if you're going over there looking for those things. I got a couple of emails from some people asking, hey man, where'd, that, where'd those ads go? I couldn't find them. Um, they were thinking, was my browser wrong or this or that? But that, that's kind of the story on that. So, you know, they want people to go and click on the ads. And then when people do that, they, they say that it's fraudulent. So, you know, I know. So anyway, easy come, easy go, like I said. Now, now, if you do want to contact the show, there's a couple of ways that you can do it. Probably the easiest way to do it would just be for you to call in. And I've got a voicemail line that I use for this show as well as my other show, The Armed Ape. And that number is 206-339-3266. Again, I love to hear from you guys. Just at the top of it, just say which show you want the feedback for so that I know where you'd like it played. Or if you don't care on which, you know, if you say, I've had people call in before and say, Hey, whichever show you think this will fit better. Uh, on the on the the uh, email, if you want to email uh, something into me, uh, an article or something like that, or some or a topic maybe you think would be good for discussion, uh, or if you want to do a, have some input for the show, you can uh, just send me the email. I'll read it out for you. Also, if you want to uh, record an MP3 or a WAV file. You can attach that and send that to me. And again, that's firearmscafe at gmail.com. So all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Let's see, what else was there about contact stuff? Uh, You can do stuff over at the um, Gun Rights Radio Network forums. And you can either leave a a post over on... On a, or a reply over on the particular episode, so if episode 50 or you know whatever you want to leave one for a specific thing, uh, or if you want to send me a message, you can also do that through the forums. Um, although you know, might as well just send me an email. Uh, but like I said, you can do it through the forums. I have a couple of guys that contact me through the forums. But uh, like I said, however you want to do it, it's all good to me. So let's go ahead and. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump in with some of our feedback first. I had asked uh, if any of you guys had any open carry stories, and so uh, I got one response so far, and uh, we'll go ahead and play that.
you know, put this on the uh, Firearms Cafe. I'm an open carrier out in western Kansas, and the other day I was uh, picking up some uh, beverages from a local business, and I was open carrying my firearm, and the owner asked me, well, why am I, what do I got there? I told him I was carrying the Ruger P95, and then he asked me why, and I told him, well, I like the 9mm, I think it's a good round, and I can train with it a lot more, and then he started talking about um, his 45, and how he likes his 45, instead of being all like, well, I'm afraid of everyone, or I think I need to, I was just embrace the idea that a lot of people like guns, and I want to get the idea out that more people should carry guns because I think it would make society better as a whole. So, this is uh, Lance Sauer. Alvita, then. Hey, Lance, thanks for sending that in. Uh, awesome story. I like how instead of giving like a typical response of, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing it for my protection or anything, you took it in a different direction. Uh, and that's something, you know, that's really important as far as if you're talking to somebody who, unlike maybe this guy that, that uh, Lance was talking to, was at least pretty gun-friendly, probably pro-gun. If you're talking to somebody who is who are not those things, uh, and they're basically wanting you to justify, you know, why you even own a, a firearm at all, you know, if you if you kind of answer it in a way that they're not expecting them, then it's going to disarm them because they're expecting a certain response, and they may have a, you know, kind of in their head, they may have already have a, an argument for you. And if you take it a little different way, uh, you may be able to kind of get somebody to listen to it on a little bit different level. Now, like I said, I'd started this thing at the beginning of the week, and uh, since then, uh, kind of again going with the open carry theme. We got some stuff from Brad, so I'll go ahead and drop that in. Hey, Tony, it's Brad uh, over in Michigan. Hey, um, thanks for your uh, comments that you left about the open carry, and I'm still doing my research and asking questions and kind of looking around to see what I can find and, you know, making sure I'm really familiar with the laws here in Michigan for open carry. One of the concerns that I have, uh, come to that I'm not sure I haven't I'm not sure that I found a great resource for this yet and I've tried opencarry.org and but um, what if what is the best way to handle it are you familiar with a place that I can go to find this out or maybe you are familiar with this but what's the best way to handle a situation where indeed while open carrying if uh, an officer were to uh, approach me and um, want to investigate, you know, as to why I have a gun and, and so on and so forth. Around here, I'm not sure what the reaction will be from the officers. I actually know uh, a couple of officers here in town, but uh, you never know who you're going to run into. And and um, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know if I, if I you know, being uh, friendly and respectful and all that is, is something I, I would think would be the best way to go about it. But are you have you heard any stories or do you have any information on you know how what my response can be how best to handle it the last thing i need is to get in trouble obviously with the law and end up you know going to jail or something for it but um just curious if you had any uh, information on that or what your thoughts would be on that we'll talk to you later Tom. see you bye thanks for sending that in brad good question uh that's kind of a tough one 
you know, you can look at it from a, uh, a philosophical view and, and say, look, I have a right to do this. This is an open carry state and the police shouldn't be hassling you. Uh, you can also look at it from a, uh, uh, another view of saying, uh, you know, the police are just out there trying to do their job and I should cooperate with them. Uh, some people would, would say you shouldn't cooperate with them at all uh, and that it's a good opportunity to educate them. Uh, however, your opportunity to educate them may result in you getting a, a ride in the squad car and you may eventually, uh, what's that saying, you, you'll, you maybe beat the charge but you're not going to beat the ride. Uh, so they, you know, if, if things get out of hand and go to and go south, uh, in the most extreme case, uh, as we saw in in Nevada, you could end up getting shot. Uh, now I know that was a little bit different in that the guy was uh, concealed carrying somebody, I guess, uh, observed him, and uh, but instead of, of doing what the guy should have done, he, in my opinion, uh, from the facts that I got about that incident sort of made matters worse. Um, but uh, kind of getting back to the open carry thing, and I guess the, the main thing we would have to look at is what is the overall attitude of, of, of not only the police, but of the public in general. So is open carrying something that's relatively common in your area? Do you see it all the time? Uh, out where I live, out here in Arizona, uh, Arizona is a, a pretty gun-friendly state. Uh, open carry has been around for a long time. Having said that, it's something that you don't see on a on a daily basis. Uh, I would say that probably I'll see somebody open carrying. Oh, about once on and on average, you know, again, probably about once every couple of weeks. So that again out here, it's not something that the that most of the public is really going to be alarmed at. Uh, when I've observed people that are open carrying, and, I, and I've looked at kind of what the other people's reactions are around that person, most people don't even notice that you know person A is open carrying. And if they do, they'll maybe look at their friend or look at who they're with or they'll kind of look askance at the gun. But they don't panic. Uh, I, I think that most of the public out here knows that you can open carry. We have a lot of uh, gun issues and things that come up all the time. So for the most part, most people understand that Arizona is an open an open carry state. You know, that doesn't mean that everybody out here is, uh, really understands the laws or, or understands uh, the concepts of, of open carry and concealed carry and all that other stuff. But they, most people know uh, that they don't need to panic if they see somebody that's, that's open carrying with a gun. And the police pretty much are, are pretty well educated. Uh, now that doesn't mean necessarily that they, they might not hassle you, that they, may, that they might think that they should be the only ones that, that have a gun. Uh, and you, you sort of also have to know what the actual laws are, and then you're going to have to know what the uh, policies of the particular departments that, that, that uh, police your area. Uh, and I would say probably the best way for you to do that would be to contact your friends and say, hey, 
how how do you guys uh, treat people that are open carriers if they're not doing anything, you know, wrong? They're not causing a scene. What's your department's policy on that? Uh, and for you, you guys maybe that don't have that are listening that are out there that don't have uh, friends that are police officers or don't know anybody that is, I would say that you could go down to the police department and. Uh, and maybe talk to a sergeant or a lieutenant or something and say, hey, I'd like to have a discussion about open carry and what your guys' policy is on it. Uh, depending on the state that you live in, if they are uh, coming up to you because maybe they've received a complaint, uh, you're probably not going to be free to go. If you ask them, am I free to go? Can I just walk away? They're going to say no. And at that point, it's a little bit, of a different ball game kind of from a legal standpoint on what you sort of can and can't do if if they told if you ask them am i free to leave can i can i go now and they say no i need to talk with you a little bit more if at that point if you walk away and they say you know you need to stop and come back here and, and talk to me from my understanding of how it works here in arizona at that point you would be disobeying a lawful command and that's going to give them more legal leeway uh, to bring up their level of interaction with you. Uh, so uh, once you kind of establish sort of w what the public's perception of it is, so is are people, if you're walking down the street or if you're in the grocery store or if you're in the bookstore and you're open carrying or you're going to Lowe's or whatever and you're open carrying there, is it going to be very likely that people are going to call the police on you to come down there and talk to you? Or is that going to be just something that, you know, if somebody notices, they're not really going to think much of it. Uh, so uh, it may not be the, the answer that, that you kind of wanted, but it, it's kind of hard to to, uh, uh, to really give you some good solid advice on it because I just don't know kind of the atmosphere of the area that you're in. Uh, having said that, if it were me and the police came up to me and were saying, well, why are you open carrying? Uh, I would cooperate with them. It doesn't really cost me anything. And what I would do is I would try and engage them in a little bit of conversation and maybe educate them a little bit, uh, you know, and use it as an opportunity uh, to maybe steer the conversation in a way that, that leaves them with a positive impression. Uh, and again, if you get a cop who who thinks that only the police should have guns and only the state should have guns, you're you're going to be fighting a losing battle, and that guy may be a jerk to you. But again, just you need to be sort of the professional. You need to sort of be that good ambassador, uh, and then kind of not lose your cool type thing. Because uh, again, if you escalate stuff with the police, they're not going to whether it's right or wrong, they're not going to put up with that. Um, so, uh, again, hopefully some of this stuff helps, Brad. I, I may not have given you the answer that you wanted. Uh, I don't know that you're necessarily going to find anything online. Probably what I, again, what I would do is maybe talk to your friends that are the police officers and get a feel from them. Also, start looking around and start seeing if you notice anybody in your area that open carries at all. Do you never, ever see it? Um, and again, you, you need to do a little, make sure you do some research and, and actually know what the actual laws are. Uh, you know, kind of on an interesting side note, um, 
a lot of times the police, they think they know the laws, uh, but what they actually know is maybe their departmental policy. Uh, and that may be a little bit different than what the actual laws are stating. So if the police say, look, you, you legally don't have a right to do this here, you can say, well, I think uh, I interpret the law a little bit differently, but I'll comply with your request and I'll leave the area. And, and then you can just kind of leave it at that. So uh, you voiced a, uh, you know, your objection to what they're, what they're telling you the law is, but you're saying I'm going to comply with your order that you're giving me. Hey, Tony, this is Tom from Roanoke, Virginia. Um, I don't care which particular podcast you use this for, whichever is more applicable for you. I uh, got out of work early last Friday. Um, had to wait a few hours for my wife to get a ride into town. So I decided I would go shooting. Um, not being able to prepare in advance, I decided to go to the local pistol range and rent something. Uh, even though I consider myself a gun person, I've never shot a 40 Smith & Wesson before. So I went to the range, laid down my money, rent, rented a Glock Gen 4 G22, which is a full-size 40 Smith & Wesson. Uh, bought a box of ammunition and a couple of targets, took it out to the pistol range, and shot a 40 for the first time. We're basically just talking about my impressions of it. Um, at first, I really didn't think that the, the Gen 4 felt all that different than a Gen 3 frame, even though it was the... The naked backstrap didn't have any of the either backstraps added. Uh, it was a little more comfortable, but not as much as I would have assumed. But I like the Gen 3 just fine. Uh, started shooting at about 15 yards. And uh, I've heard that it had not a significant amount of recoil, but I, I really didn't care for it too much. Um, a Glock is really light anyway. I shot the 50 rounds, did pretty well, didn't, didn't go much beyond uh, 15, I'm sorry, 15 yards. It did all right for me. Uh, my impressions were it's a fine round. It was a 180 grain full metal jacket bullet, which is about a standard weight, I understand, for the 40 Smith & Wesson. I don't think it really did anything that my G17 couldn't do with decent ammunition. Um, it's a fine round, if that's what you like. I think it's... Recoil impulse is significantly more than even a 45 in a full size 1911. I just, I believe I'll just stay with my G17. It, uh, it's a fine pistol. I can recover for a second shot more quickly. I seem to control the recoil impulse a lot better with the 9mm and with the proper ammunition. I think it'll do the job it needs to do as long as I put the rounds where they need to go. Thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoy your shows. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Tom, for sending that in. You know, I haven't had much experience with the 40 caliber. I've shot, I think, one once a long time ago. It was a, uh, a Glock Gen 3. And uh, I kind of some of the points that you made, um, I found that the, the perceived recoil for me was a little snappy. Nothing that wasn't uncontrollable um, I, I thought that I could shoot again maybe the 9 better and I also shot that I thought excuse me that I could shoot the 45 a little better um, all three guns have a very different at least to me kind of a recoil 
feel as far as caliber goes. Uh, so the 9, uh, I felt, uh, and that's kind of my baseline because that's what I'm used to. Uh, but I felt the 9, the recoil on that was very manageable. I can, Like you, I can get back on target pretty quick. The 40 that I shot, um, and this is kind of going off the memory, I remember it being just a little snappy. It wanted to kind of jump up a little bit. And so that you're really going to have to tr to uh, get used to it. Uh, or someone in, in my situation, I guess I should say, would need to get used to bringing it back down and getting it back on target a little quicker. Um, and the 45, I've got an F&P 45, and I've shot some 1911s in the past, but I really like that F&P 45. Uh, for me, I like the ergonomics of it. Uh, it is a big gun, and it's got a big grip, uh, so it, it does kind of, you could say that it's kind of blocky or, or brick-like. You know, a lot of people will call the, uh, the Glocks, they'll say that they've got all the ergonomics of a brick. Um... I actually prefer the ergonomics of the F&P 45. It fits my hand pretty well. I, I like really like the fit of it, I like the feel of it. Um, but with the recoil with it, it felt more like it was kind of more of a push, if that makes sense, kind of a push back and 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 uh, and, and pretty soft. Um, the times that I've kind of getting back to maybe the difference between the Gen 3 and the the Gen 4 Glocks, I've never shot a Gen 4 Glock, so I've I've handled them in the in the um, gun stores and stuff. They don't. I'm kind of with you, Tom. They don't feel that much different to me. Um, and then I I don't know uh, all the stuff that I guess with the new spring and some of the other things that they've designed into the Gen 4. I don't really know that it solves some of the problems, especially if you're looking at the nine millimeter. If you're if you're going with the uh, the G17, uh, yeah, that's the full size nine millimeter. Uh, that's an awful hard gun to beat for me. Um, now there are some other guns out there that I'd like to shoot and I'd like to own, uh, but you know there's only so much money and all that stuff going around. One that I'd really like to try would be the uh, the Smith and Wessons their M&P lines. I know a lot of people are real big fans of those. Um, I don't think I've ever shot an XD either, and I wouldn't mind shooting some of those. Uh, some SIGs. I've shot a SIG once. I liked it. I liked how the grip felt and everything. Um, but I'm so used to shooting the Glock. that Again, that's sort of kind of my baseline on how, how stuff feels. So uh, because I'm, uh, I'm used to the ergonomics of the Glock, but I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, and I was thinking about maybe even eventually getting a grip reduction on it. Um, other than that, uh, I don't really, for, for me, I, I would agree again with you that I think shot placement is going to be more important than caliber, uh, being able to, if you need to deliver a second shot on target. And if you're trained well with, on a 40, if you're trained well on a nine, if you're trained well on a 45, you'll be able to do that stuff. Uh, but it, it's so... Uh, the the difference in the caliber I uh, again I think I think they're all good rounds with good you use good factory ammunition modern ammunition you're going to get some good results again as long as you can put that shot where you need to place it uh, it's, it's much different of course than shooting somebody with a a shotgun or a rifle uh, so with a handgun you're going to need to uh, to to more than likely have to use, do a follow-up shot uh, to get somebody to actually stop. It's not going to be a, 
an instant on and off switch type thing. Alright, let's go ahead and switch gears here a little bit. And what I wanted to talk about was an article that I read in the paper the other day. And uh, it'll harken back a little bit to what I talked about when I was uh, answering some of Brad's questions about how do you deal with the police, that type of thing. And, and basically just making sure that you keep your cool and, and uh, for lack of a better term, that you act in a, in a professional manner. Uh, so the article that I wanted to read, let me go ahead and grab it here real quick. All right, I got it here. You may hear the the paper kind of rustling around a little bit. So uh, the article is about a road rage incident, and it says, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, within a matter of a few minutes, 56 frantic calls came in uh, to a Gilbert Police Dispatch Center as witnesses reported that a man was shot lying on the ground following a road rage incident near Santan Village. In a 30-page report, police say that Michael Fickles, age 56, was shot Saturday by 23-year-old Matthew Bowles of Gilbert. But while police reported initially that they were responding to a homicide of second-degree murder, they have since said Bowles acted in self-defense. Many witnesses said they saw Fickles, who was the guy that got shot, approach Bowles' truck with a gun in his hand before Bowles pulled out a Glock and shot Fickles at least five times, according to the police report. Uh, the police released Bowles at the scene, and a police spokesman told the Tribune on Monday that they plan to conclude the investigation soon. Now, uh, kind of as a little bit of an aside, this happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in, the, in the article, it goes on, and they interview the, the uh, surviving family of the gentleman that was shot. And, of course, they're not going to speak ill of him. They say, you know, he was a great guy. He was a former Marine. He was... Uh, a former volunteer for the sheriff's posse out here, um, but if we if we kind of cut some of that stuff out and we look at what what was actually reported in the police report, uh, and I'll, I'll jump back in. It said something went terribly wrong. The police report details Bowles uh, emptying a black Glock handgun on Fickle, shooting him five times in the face, leg, and chest. Witnesses gave conflicting statements compounding the difficulty in determining what really happened that night that led to the shooting. One witness told police it appeared that the men were racing along eastbound Williamsfield Road as they approached Market Street and that Bowles' vehicle, so he's the younger guy, cut off Fickles and the men began arguing. After Bowles shot Fickles, he called 911 and was apprehended by an off-duty Gilbert police officer. Now, one witness said that Fickles, again the gentleman that, that was killed, got out of his silver Ford F-150 pickup truck carrying a handgun with his arm extended and approached Bull sitting inside his white uh, Dodge Ram pickup. Another witness said that she saw Bowles, who's the younger guy, firing his gun at Fickles as Fickles was approaching his white Dodge pickup, but she did not see a gun in uh, Fickles' hand. Officers did discover a gun lying near Fickles. His son, Michael Fickles II, said that he carried one in a holster, meaning his father. Uh, and it kind of goes on, and they talk more about... Um, it's more of an interview kind of with, with, his, with the gentleman who was shot with his surviving family members. And, uh, you know, how he was a good guy, and, and uh, this is a tragic event, and all this other type of stuff. Uh, and I guess the lesson that we can learn is 
you know, a lot of times I think it was, uh, what is it, Louis Overbach, is that how you say his last name? Says that, I think he's the one who, who is usually given credit for the quote that basically says that uh, any fight that you're going to be in, there's there's going to be a gun there because you've brought it. Now, in this case, they're, both these men had firearms. And uh, in a state like Arizona, lots of people carry guns for, for protection. What it looks like happened was is probably... And, and who knows if maybe Fickles originally maybe pulled out too soon or something in front of this the younger guy and then that guy went to cut him off and they were racing down the road and giving each other the finger, doing all this stuff. But the point of it is, is all this thing, all, all that stuff could have been avoided. Uh, both men knew that they had firearms uh, with them and they still chose to engage in that behavior. Uh Another, the, the, the guy, Fickles, who ended up getting shot, actually got felt the need to get out of his vehicle and approach the other guy with, with a handgun in plain sight. Uh, and some witness reports say that he had it pointed at, at the other guy, at the younger guy. It, it's hard to say since, you know, we weren't there that what really went down. But what we can say and what we can learn from it is, you know what? If somebody cuts you off in traffic, big deal. So what? Let it go. Uh, and especially if you've got a firearm with you. And even if you don't, you don't know if the other guy has one or not. And if you jump out of your truck and come rushing up there, they you know they don't know your intention. They may have a kid in the car. They may have you know their elderly mother. They may have their pregnant wife in the car. Who knows? Uh, you're, it, but it's not, my point is it's just not worth it to go off, uh, all half cocked and, and to, you know, to teach that other guy a lesson you're going to show him. Uh, and, and unfortunately for this gentleman, uh, Mr. Fickles, he, uh, he, he got out thinking he was going to show somebody something and somebody else showed him something completely different. Uh, it turned out a lot different than what he thought was going to have happened. Now, one thing I will say about this thing is I don't you don't hear as much about kind of the road rage stuff out here that leads to shootings. It happens occasionally, uh, but not as often as you would think for the amount of the population that probably has firearms with them. Uh, you know, the opposite, the, the, uh, the antis would say, well, see, this is what you get when you let people have guns. But, you know, what they don't talk about is all the other days of the year where this didn't happen. Uh, and I do think that because Arizona is such a gun-friendly state and guns are are uh, part of the culture out here, that people are, or at least are aware on some level. Um, I, you know, people like me, people like you that are listening to the show are much more aware and understand that it's not worth it to you know yell at somebody or try and cut them off again if you know you know you're gonna if they cut you off you're gonna zip in front of them and cut them off we understand that that's kind of childish and it's not worth it uh, however i see stuff happen all the time where people get mad at each other where people feel that they've been slighted and they uh you know they'll make gestures and for the most part you know that's that's kind of where it ends uh you know people get angry angry is part of being being human, getting angry, and having those emotions, but how we deal with them is uh, is the real lesson that we need to learn. And I know I'm kind of harping on on this stuff, but 
the main thing is, is this thing could have totally been avoided. Those guys could have, uh, if, if one of them would have just said, you know what, I, I'm just going to let this go. Uh, and if this guy wants to keep, you know, yelling at me and calling me names, I'll, you know, I'll, that's, that's fine. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, because I guarantee you, the guy that ended up having to shoot, shoot the dude and kill him, if he could take it back, he would. Um, you know, and it kind of brings up another point of uh, if you are carrying a gun or if you have one in your home, you really have to ask yourself, well, why do I carry that gun or why do I own that gun? Why do I have it in my house? Is it for self-protection? Is, is it so that I can defend myself and my family if someone comes in to hurt me? Uh, am I going to use it? Or is it uh, that I, I in, in some odd, weird fantasy in my head, am going to use this thing and go on the offensive uh, instead of using it as a defensive tool, as a defensive weapon? Uh, you know, a, a lot of times, and I've done a show on this before a long time ago, I, don't, I can't remember the episode, uh, but I talked about sort of three different incidents of, of, of people with guns. And one of the guys I talked about was uh, Joe Horn. And uh, I disagree with what he did. I think he was wrong. And I, I think he inserted himself in, an in, in, in a situation where he didn't need to. And because he did that, two people lost their lives. Uh, I got a lot of people who wrote in and supported or agreed with, with what I had, had stated. I got a lot of people that wrote in and said that know that I was wrong, uh, that this uh, Joe Horn guy was a hero. Uh, but basically he killed people over property. And, and the way that the people who thought that he was a hero, they said, hey, this guy took you know two bad guys off the street. Um, but as an armed citizen, we are not judge, jury, and executioner. And I know there's people out there that are going to disagree with me. Uh, but you're not going to change my mind on that. You're not going to change my views on that. We're not, we don't arm ourselves so that we can go out there and intervene. If you want to do that, go be a police officer. Go be an FBI guy. Uh, become a U.S. Marshal. But as a, as a regular everyday citizen, the reason that we have firearms and the reason that we carry them and the reason that we keep them in our homes is so that we can protect ourselves. They are, they are defensive weapons as far as we're concerned. They are not for us to go out on the offensive and look for trouble. And those same people that say, they make the, they'll, they'll also make the argument, they'll say, well, by stopping and by killing those guys, basically, you probably stop them from doing something much worse later on. Well, you don't kill somebody based on something that they might do. Uh, and, and if really, if that's your philosophy, why aren't you out there going out there? And, uh, and this is something I've said before. I can take you to parts of town that I knew from my probation officer days where there are drug dealers, there are pimps, there are uh, very violent, vile people. And I'll take you down there and you can go out there and then you can just shoot them when they approach you. And you say, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Well, why not? If you know that eventually they're going to commit more crimes and they're probably going to commit crimes, especially 
Some of these people are going to commit very violent crimes and they're going to hurt people. It's, it's probably only going to be a matter of time. So why isn't it then acceptable for you to go out there and do that? So ask yourself that question. And before you say, well, it's a totally different thing. Uh, you know, in Mr. Horn's case, he was protecting his property. Well, he he chose to leave his home and go out and confront these guys. He inserted himself in a situation where he was safe in his home. They were no threat to him. Had those guys started coming up to his home and kicking in his door uh, and trying to get in, then it would have been a different situation. But the second he went out, because there was, and again, there was nobody that he could see. And what we have to go by is what he knew. Uh, he knew that the house that these guys were coming out of was unoccupied because he knew that those people were gone on vacation. He knew because he could see them that they weren't attacking somebody or beating somebody to death or stabbing somebody. And he knew that in his house that they didn't really have the opportunity to come in and get him. But what he chose to do was he chose to go out and insert himself in a situation and he basically killed two guys that maybe didn't need to. Uh, he was also told that, the, you know, well, I don't want to get into this whole thing. I, you can go back and, and redo it, uh, re-listen to the, uh, to the old episode if you want to. Uh, but again, you know, my whole point is keep your cool, act appropriately, act in a, in a professional manner, uh, treat people the way that you would like your mother to be treated. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and jump off the old soapbox now. I did get an email the other day from uh, Dave, and Dave was writing about the um, oh the BATFE cover up. Uh, as you guys know, that you know a lot of they were letting a lot of guns go down purposely, go down into Mexico, uh, and it, it's it's really going to look like that they were doing it for a couple of reasons. Uh, primarily, one of them was that they would be able to. Uh, get more agents and get more funding. Another thing may have been a little bit more politically motivated where they could uh, maybe try and institute more gun control by saying, well, look at all this stuff that's going down there. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and read Dave's email. Uh, he said, I've been listening to both Firearms Cafe and the Armed Ape uh, for a year or two now. I just wanted to thank you for putting out both God podcasts and keeping folks aware of independence and personal liberty issues. I also wanted to thank you for the news on the BATFE cover-up of their involvement with gun sales along the border. Uh, you were way ahead of mainstream media on that story. I didn't see any mention of it in online news until Senator Grassley from Iowa got involved a few weeks ago. The optimist in me wants to celebrate the fact that a federal legislator is actually taking responsibility and demanding oversight of a government agency that is seriously fouled up. The realist in me keeps remembering that all politics is local politics, and Senator Grassi may be doing this as a strategy against local political competition, either in Iowa or in Washington, D.C. I'm not from Iowa, and I'm not all that familiar with Senator Grassley's uh, positions or career, but I am happy that at least one member of the federal government doesn't want to allow BATFE unlimited powers. Anyway, keep up the good work. I really enjoy uh, both shows. Regards, Dave in Denver. So I appreciate that, Dave. Uh, 
kind of speaking of the emails and stuff, if you guys uh, ever want to send anything in, go ahead and do that. You can send that to me in, uh, again at firearmscafe at gmail.com or as always you can call up the voicemail 206-339-3266. Uh, like Tom and Lance did. You know, getting back to a, a couple of points that uh, that he made in his that Dave made in his email. You know, we're we're still in, we're still really not seeing a whole lot uh, about this. I mean, it's 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 more on the kind of on the internet and the blogospheres. Um, and if you're listening to what what I would term maybe alternative media sources, uh, a lot of the different shows that I listen to. Uh, and that I like, you'll you'll get a lot of this breaking news. Uh, you'll get these guys that uh, guys like Lou Rockwell, guys like um, oh, you know, if, if we're looking at gun gun issues and things like that, a lot of times you're going to have guys like Tom Gresham, guys like Michael Bain that are more closely, uh, you know, they they make their living with guns and things like that. The first I actually heard of this stuff was off of. Uh, Tom Gresham's show, and then I started really trying to dig and do some more research. Um, but we really need to hold these agencies, their feet to the fire, especially um, BATFE, which is more commonly known uh, just as ATF. Uh, you, when you, when you look back at some of the older shows from JPFO for Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. Um, they have real. They were a real front runner on a lot of the corruption, a lot of the stuff that goes on with BATFE. Both Michael Bain, both Tom Gresham, have talked about how that these agencies are rogue agencies that they really need to be reined in. We've had um, uh, guys like Senator Grassley, guys like uh, oh Ron Paul. We'll talk about him not as as often. He uh, He's no big fan of them because they really infringe on a lot of the liberties and things that are guaranteed to the Constitution. But there has been um, legislation brought up basically wanting to get uh, more control and more uh, regulation on on uh, ATF. And that they a lot of the stuff that they do when they are approving stuff or disapproving things or when they're trying to maybe prove that you know, the gun that you had was an easily modified gun uh, because maybe it had a malfunction and they're saying, no, it was a, it's now considered a machine gun and they're going to go after you and, and uh, make an example of you. A lot of the things that they do, the procedures aren't uh, written down. There's no uh, a thing that they do that says, okay, in order to prove this, we have to do A, B, and C, and if it doesn't fall into A, B, and C, then it doesn't meet the criteria. Well, what they're able to do is they just they just tinker with it and make it uh, make it to where, in the case of machine guns and things like that, when they're prosecuting people, they just do whatever they do that the common person or a common tinkerer wouldn't be able to do to make it a, an automatic weapon. And you see, there's several cases, and if you go and do a little bit of research, you can see a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, where because they don't have any written procedures that they're following and they can just sort of do whatever they want on a case-by-case basis there can really be no due process for those for those individuals um, I'm, I'm going to probably do a show in the, in the upcoming weeks on kind of some of the different law enforcement agencies uh, the militarization of those agencies uh, the militarization of the IRS 
uh, you know, uh, but anyway, I'm kind of getting off into the weeds here a little bit. But what we can't do is we can't just sort of sit idly by. We need to contact our representatives and say, hey, you guys need to really take a look at this. And you need to go and support this Senator Grassley and, and, and make sure that he follows up on all this stuff. And it's the same thing, you know, I talk about with TSA. We're seeing a lot of states are doing a lot. There's a lot of blowback for this stuff. There's still a lot of outrage. It's not getting reported Again, in the media, the the media, the mainstream media gave it their week or two, and then they've moved on to something else. But a lot of the things that are offensive and that we would consider totally outrageous and when, where they're really overstepping their bounds are still going on. And so what we're seeing is on state levels, we're seeing a lot of legislation that's coming up. Uh, but if you don't, you know, if you don't see anything maybe in your state that are 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 being used to maybe pull back and on on uh, and put some restrictions on TSA get with your state reps get you know contact your United States senators contact your uh, your state senators contact your state representative and legislatures and and get those guys on the ball say hey you guys really need to look into this and you need to get some legislation and you need to rein these people in and if enough people do that it'll happen if if most people don't, if it kind of gets forgotten and swept under the rug, then, you know, we're going to get what we get. And what we're going to get is the increase in uh, bureaucracies, increase in federal power, increase in governmental power at the cost of our individual rights and individual freedoms. You're going to see uh, things that where they're... It's not going to just be at the airport where they're going to x-ray you and grope you. It's going to be at the bus station. It's going to be at the train station. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if we don't push back, they're, they're going to push forward. And uh, they're going to go ahead and implement things that all under the guise of safety. You know, they're going to beat the, uh, beat the drum and say, this will make you... This will make you safe, and you just you go over here and you stand, and we'll take care of everything for you. And that's not what this country's about, and that's not what we're about as uh, as Americans. Uh, now, talking about as far as maybe some alternative news sources you can go look at, and you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that maybe some of these alternative sources are giving you. But like I think I'd mentioned, Lou Rockwell uh, has a lot of really good people on there. Um, you can look at uh, things like Reason Magazine. You can find some blogs that you like. And a lot of these places should be starting off uh, places and, and points for you. Uh, a guy that I really like, two guys actually that I talk about that I really like, uh, are Rand Paul and Ron Paul. And if, especially with Ron Paul, if you listen to his speeches and listen to what he's been saying, he's been saying the same thing for the past 30 years. Uh, and he fights hard for liberty. I don't agree with every single position that the man has. Uh, but I agree with his main position, which is that we as as uh, as Americans and that we as human beings deserve uh, and, and have the right of individual freedom and individual liberty, and that we we have we basically have choices. We have the right to make choices, and whether those choices are good or bad for us, it's not for the government to decide. Uh, as long as we're not hurting somebody else, as long as we're not taking someone else's property or defrauding them of their wealth, you know, what does it matter? Uh, and again, our, our freedoms and our liberties 
are really are, are being taken away. And once you start looking at some of these alternative uh, media sources and start reading some of the articles and start doing some of the research, you see that it, it happen, it's happening all over the place. Um, it, it's a constant erosion. And with that constant erosion means we've got to constantly be aware. We've got to constantly fight back. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop in a song. This is by a uh, French band, and the uh, name of the album is called Ska SOS. It's uh, uh, brought courtesy of uh, Jamendo, which is the site where I get it. And the uh, name of the song is called Supermarket, and then it's some French word after that. I don't know what it says. Uh, anyway, I'll put a link to it in the show if you like it. I, uh, I have no idea what they're saying, but I, I like the music and I thought it's just fun. So anyway, hope you guys enjoy and I'll talk to you next time. Chanson dédicacée à qui On vient C'est lui qui aime plus rien à crayer, plus rien à picoler. Je m'en vais samedi après mon supermarché. Putain, le parking, il est totalement blindé. Je garde ma caisse en deux occasions, putain, c'est serré après même si t'as pas la flemme Tu verras y'aura du monde et pas que les blondes Moyenne d'achat en disant les trois quarts en plus temps Sont décidés de nous chercher ces putains retraités Superhuman strength.